0: Welcome to the Rational Hour with Ryan, where we talk sports. We have a very special guest on the show, Memphis Spence. Welcome What's going on, my man? Thanks for coming on. Memphis has worked extensively with Sports Radio America, the FWA, uh, also um, with a lot of scouting and writing, reporting. I mean, Memphis covers all assets of the game. So I'm really honored to have him on the show. We're going to talk a little college football today. A lot going on, Memphis. Yes, there is. Um, let's jump right into this this latest Heisman race. Looking at the major candidates, Mark Jones, I mean, he seems to be jumping out just from his performances the last couple of weeks. Kyle Tras, Trevor Lawrence is the name. Right now, of all the major finalists, on January 5th, when it all comes down to it, who do you see walk away with honor? Who's your top I'm three
1: I'm going to say that this is probably a two-person race right now between Jones and Trask. Um, I know that Trevor Lawrence has the name. He has the visibility, but he hasn't been and, – and, and he still has a big game to play that we haven't watched yet, but that's pretty much the only game – uh, left to to impress us and that's against Notre Dame. But I still think that he doesn't get the the votes. I, I think this is a a I think that I think Trask actually gets the Heisman for a couple of reasons. But number one, the what he's been doing this year as opposed to last year, and and we have a full body of work from or almost a full body of work from last year to this year. We do really have a good comparison and we can kind of see how he's grown from last year to this year. Whereas with Trevor Lawrence, we kind of see about the same. We don't really see that much growth uh, from last year to this year. Now I don't have a Heisman vote. I mean, I know there's uh, 870 voters plus of course the, the um, uh, 52, 53 Heisman winners, so far, everybody, you know, uh, gets in those votes. It's like nine twenty-nine now uh, votes this year. But uh, when I am looking at it, and I am talking uh, with some Heisman voters, they believe that Trask's probably shown more growth over the past year, year over year, than Trevor Lawrence. So I think that that's and that's meaningful for an award like this. I mean, sometimes the best quarterbacks that end up in the NFL don't actually win this trophy. Um, but I, I Mac Jones still has something to say about that, and I think between Trask and Jones, I think those are the two right. that I would put. I would put Trevor Lawrence, on, you know, on the outside looking in. He may end up second, but I'd say who are actually in the running right now. There's going to be a battle between uh, Trask and Jones for the the Heisman this year.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much. Money, big money with those two programs. I mean, pretty much powerhouses throughout the last few decades. Mm -hmm. So I think that definitely will factor because some of these other candidates, you know, quarterbacks are always the bigger targets to win the Heisman. Running backs are kind of second tier, but quarterbacks have a rich history of winning it. Trevor Lawrence, I just think his name speaks volumes. Same with Justin Fields. I think they have the name. See, we haven't
1: seen enough just of Justin Fields,
0: right? That's that's the,
1: that's the issue with Fields. Right. It's, I, I, taking nothing away from that guy's viability in the NFL, Fields, we just haven't seen enough work for him to be impressed. Um, to somewhat of the same extent, Trevor Lawrence, we're impressed, but it's more of the same. I don't know if he can do anything more this year than he did last year and we're not really seeing that much more, but in Trask's situation, I mean, if Florida's not, if you take Trask off of Florida Florida just goes downhill it's almost the same, uh, if you remember L- Lamar Jackson a few few years back, my guy Lamar uh, if you take him off of Louisville, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, exactly. nothing. I think the same is for Trask and Pitts really, because you have to understand that all he has is a tight end that he's throwing it to. Now that's one heck of a tight end, but all he has is a tight end that he's hitting. Pitts. And, you know, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the offensive line that any of these, that, that Ohio State or, 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 or Clemson or, and definitely not Alabama. He doesn't have a, the, you know, the, the, the support right. around him that a lot of these other programs have, yet we're we're still talking about him and it's because of the amazing play that we've seen out of him this year. So I'm leaning towards Trask. If I had a vote, I'd probably go, I'd probably place my vote for Trask. But of course,
0: I still want to see the SEC championship game. Yeah, speaking of that on the 19th of this month, Florida plays Alabama, that's going to be a great game. A lot of people believe that, that the winner of that game will win the Heisman. Mark, um, Mac Jones has been unbelievable. I mean, he's really stepped up in big yes. games. That's the one thing I've really been impressed with him. Against LSU last week, Twenty twenty-eight, two 285 yards, four TDs. Had a great game against Georgia. Another 400 yards, four TDs. He lit up uh, Texas A&M. And these are all pretty good teams, pretty much as far as SEC goes. So he's done well in big moments. I got to give him a lot of credit for that. Granted, Bama has so Mm -hmm. much talent around them. It kind of hinders him. So that's why I think what you mentioned before with Trask, they have no running game. I mean, Trask is pretty much doing it on his arm. So it really shows his, his leadership and his growth in his career from last year to this year and um, dealing with what they've had to deal with with their delays and, and games being cancelled that's why I was wondering as far as Trevor Lawrence, those mm-hmm. two games that he's missed and then the one was so huge because right. he missed the Notre Dame game will that, will that hinder him and, his, and he, he has to pretty much play lights out for them and then he'll probably get his rematch with Notre Dame in the ACC uh, championship game we shall see now among the candidates, Memphis. What are, are there anybody that, that you know consider sleepers? Like you mentioned, with, what we mentioned with Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, guys Kyle like Pitts that. Kyle Pitts could, I mean, be um, a sleeper
1: in the Heisman race. Very much so. I mean, you know, if he's on the field, he's a target, and he beats double coverage uh, a lot of times. There's not really a linebacker or or a corner that I can see that's a really good matchup for him this year. And I'm, gonna, I'm a defensive guy, so I'm always looking at a uh, defensive guy. I vote uh, on the Bronco Nagurski Award. The finalists, as a matter of fact, just came out a couple of days ago. Um, but the uh, Pitts could definitely be a sleeper. But, but back to what you were saying, it we usually don't see a lot of wide receivers or safeties or really anything else. In the last 10 years, it's been nine quarterbacks – and a running back. So that's, and, and that running back was Derrick Henry. So um, that's, that that's normally what you see for the Heisman. It, it hasn't really varied uh, too much from that in the past. So I think this is going to be, it's it's become more of a quarterback award, but if there was one guy that, or there there's actually two guys that probably should be in the conversation. Pitts is one, he's a tight end and tight ends just don't win that award. They just don't. And Devonta Smith, what he's doing over at Good Alabama, time. because he's a huge target. And, um, right. you know, the minute he catches the ball, he's a problem. So that those are the two guys. If there's, if there's going to be another offensive weapon that actually gets that award or is in the conversation, I'd say one of those two guys. But I think this is going to be all quarterback finalists. Yeah,
0: the, um, the guy you just mentioned, Devonta Smith. I mean, the guy is just putting up eye-popping numbers. I saw the game last week against LSU. Eight catches, I believe, 100, uh, 230 yards, three TDs. I mean, he just destroyed them. He's having a hell of a year. I got to give it to him. And and that's been Alabama's thing. Their receivers have been doing very well in the pros. They've had a pretty good success getting guys out in the league at receiver amongst other positions. but what about my man, Zach Wilson? I mean, will that loss last week to he, Coastal Carolina hurt him at all? He's
1: out. And it shouldn't be. The the, the problem like, with Zach Wilson, and he, I think Zach Wilson actually may have an NFL career. Um, how much of one? I'm not sure right. just yet. But uh, in terms of the Heisman, he's, he's out, and that's just because – the quality of the teams that they've played this year unfortunately covid has affected that you know they were, they were looking for games just to to find you know good games to play and then they 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 find a a really outstanding coastal carolina team uh, and come up against that and then just fall short so a lot of people i remember uh, after that game as a matter of fact it was a barn burner it was one of the most watched games in college football this year but everybody was like, "Man, why didn't he? Why didn't he try to throw it into the end zone or wait till his receiver got into the end zone? He had time, and that may have hurt the perception, you know, in that big moment of, of, of Zach and what he's able to do. Big arm. Uh, I like the way he reads defenses, but I think he's on the outside looking in, uh, along with Fields
0: and and a few other talented guys uh, in this class." Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens on January fifth. Speaking of Coastal Carolina, they're ten and zero right now. Yeah, are they? Are they for real? Oh, that's a real
1: team. It's hard to, uh, I, I make my living, my uh, bread and butter basically covering a lot of guys from the American Athletic Conference and, and doing that mid-level scouting, threes and fours. Everybody can see who the five-star kids are. They're those That's easy. Everybody, it, it's, it's easy to see, you know, the, the, the creme de la creme uh, in high school going into college it's a lot harder to see the guys that if they get with the right guy to develop them those are NFL prospects it's, it's harder to see those guys but you know the in the American you know you have a lot of really upper echelon teams and I usually take I usually grade teams against whether or not you know UCF or Memphis or or temple or Cincinnati could could beat them or not and you know they could beat half of the the quote unquote power five teams, and I'm telling you this right now, Coastal Carolina. Actually, both Coastal Carolina and Louisiana could beat probably half of the power five teams uh, that uh, this year. That they're that good. Wow. They're that uh, they're that quality. Now, the the issue and whatever coming into that game against BYU, the Chandeliers, they're the smaller team. I mean, on on. On paper, you're like ah, BYU's a little. They're just too big. They're gonna they're gonna dominate the 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 offense and defensive line. But we saw that didn't happen, you know. And and Jamie Chadwell, uh, the reason why Coastal Carolina is in the the situation that they're in now, undefeated, looking around and and seeing whether or not they can get into a New Year's Six bowl. Should you know Cincinnati stumble, I think it would be them. But um the reason why they're there is because Jamie Chadwell really has that team discipline and you have to be a really disciplined team if you're the smaller team, but the spread offense that they, they, they run out there, man, it's, it's, it has the tempo of, of, of what Florida's running. I mean, it has the tempo of, of uh, what, what uh, Clemson runs. I mean, they're, they're a real team that may actually destroy an SEC team um, of 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 note, you know they. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they could get on the same field and hang with Arkansas or or Mizzou this year because that's a real Coastal Carolina is a real
0: team. So Memphis, are you saying that this is the year we see a mid major in the VCS playoff? Oh no, 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 no! The, the, no, the broadcasters aren't going to allow that. <laughs> they, now there too, will be the New York Six bad. game.
1: We're definitely see, you know, either Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina there. But in the there, they for broadcast as a broadcaster, I understand. I understand what they're doing money wise. I understand why the Big Ten bent over backwards to to make a pathway for Ohio State uh, over, you know, Indiana. I understand the financial aspects of all of these things. I follow them closely. So. There's not going to be... There probably will never be a non-Power 5 team in the playoffs. But added on to that, Ryan, there probably only be a handful of actual teams, even if they're Power 5, that we ever see in these playoffs. The playoffs weren't designed to be equal for, for every team. These playoffs were designed to... Take the most powerful brands and create a, a viewing experience that you could, you know, that, that you can, uh, that prints money, basically. And if you're not one of those brands, a la Indiana in football, then everybody knows it. And that's why you see the Big Ten do what they do. Like, oh, ooh, we said there needed to be six, teams, six games played in order to get into the Big Ten championship. But let's just change the rules now and make it five so that... You know, we can kind of usurp Indiana and have Ohio State play, even though they they've only won five games this year. Because if they play that game, you know, we can get them to play the Big Ten Championship and then get into the the playoffs. And they will be in the playoffs. I mean, that's the only reason why the Big Ten decided to have a season is to get Ohio State into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's very like what was the year Utah beat? Uh, when Urban Meyer mm-hmm. had Utah. They were in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, that was probably the last time that I can recall where kind of a small team. This was before Utah went into the Pac twelve. They were right. part of the uh, I believe that was the Western Athletic or either the Mountain West. But yeah, or the, either the, wh- the or the Mountain West. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So and and that was a big upset. That was probably the last time I remember a small school going to a major bowl game. They were undefeated, and they had Alex Smith kind of in somewhat of a Heisman race and. They went in, they beat Alabama. That was a big, that was the first time that I ever can remember Memphis where a small school actually earned their just due where they were kind of created the noise and they, they actually followed through with it. Because a lot of times, like when June Jones, Hawaii went in there, they got ramsacked with that offense that they had. Even though they're a pretty good team, it just couldn't handle the strength. Usually the trenches are the biggest difference when it comes to those Big time uh, programs against the smaller schools.
1: The the difference a lot of times that that we see is not necessarily with the starters that much. A lot of the starters can hold up against other starters. The difference that we usually see is what happens when those starters get tired. Who are the backups? Who's your backup linebacker? Because that's when you see the drop offs uh, in college. You know the 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 you know teams in the MAC aren't as deep as the teams in the Big Ten. Teams in the Big Ten can go. Uh, five star, four star, three star deep. When you're starting with four and threes uh, in the MAC, if any fours uh, to begin with, but um, a lot of those the starters, you know, they can hang. A lot there are a lot of MAC starters that are in the NFL because they've been developed. But it's the it's the backups. Who do you put in as a backup if, they, if this guy gets tired? You know, who do you if, if you're running wind sprints or you're running tempo? Who do you put in? You know, as the corner that just you know uh, cover Devonta down the down the field for for 70 yards who do you put in you know real quickly sub in you don't have anybody that can run with them you know run with a guy that's 4-4 other than one guy usually on that team so that's usually where you see the drop-offs in college football it's
0: the amount of talent on the team not if there is somebody talented on the team now with teams like Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina being undefeated there's a lot of bowl games being canceled, you yeah. know, just because of this pandemic. What happens with those teams? Is just their year to be undefeated, and they're t- sort of happy national championship? Somebody is
1: not going to be happy. Well, the new year's six bowls right. are probably going to take place, and ever since we've had the college football playoffs, which started back in 2014. Before that, it was the BCS, and I, I know I remember the the game with Utah you were talking about back at, uh, with the BCS. Games, but um, ever since we started the uh, college football playoff uh, situation back in 2014, um, there's always been there, there, there. Are those six games that are kind of grouped together, uh, two of which are always held out basically to be the semifinals uh, in the college football playoff. I think this year, I want to say um, that the playoffs are the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Because last year was Peach and Fiesta. Hold on just a second. Peach and Fiesta. Uh, Cotton Bowl and Orange Bowl. Yeah, so this year it would be uh, Rose and Sugar. Those are the two grouped together that, that are going to be uh, the college football playoffs. But those are the six games based that, that really mean something. Um, I mean, there are other games that pay close to the same amount. But none other than the Sun Bowl has the prestige of, of these six games. And the Sun Bowl, just because, you know, it's been around the Sun Bowl and the Liberty Bowl have been around uh, quite a bit of a time of time. And that's the only reason why those two games have uh, prestige. But these are the ones that pay. These are the four million dollar payouts for each team. uh, And one of one or the other Cincinnati is going to get a chance to go to one of these. But the other other team is going to be very unhappy because there's not that many bowl games. Uh, I yeah. think th- last time I checked, like 20-something, 23, 24 bowl games that are going to be out this year. Uh, and unfortunately, I think Coastal Carolina is going to get the rind of the stick if Cincinnati can beat Tulsa.
0: Yeah, Memphis, it's a big game for Coastal Carolina playing Louisiana next week. They played earlier in the season, uh, middle of October. Yeah. And Coast won 30-27. to 27. Great game. Mm-hmm.
1: I now, watched that game. That was a good team, game.
0: Great game. Now, what do you think happens with that game next weekend? And what happens with Coastal Carolina? Do you think they just go
1: 11-0? Uh, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why they would lose this game. Um, yeah, I think they go 11-0. I mean, Louisiana is good. Uh, they, well, they're good enough to beat teams like uh, Iowa State, even though Iowa State somehow gets put over an undefeated Cincinnati. Um, but Louisiana's good. They're, they're a really good team. Uh, they always produce really good uh, uh, products. The NFL scouts uh, like like to look at. And Napier is a really good coach. I mean, that's the other thing. Like Chadwell is probably he's a disciplinarian. He you're not you have to you're going to have to beat him because his team is not going to beat themselves. But if there's any other coach in you know the in that division, in the um, uh, the Sun Belt, that can actually figure that game out and figure out how to beat the chandeliers. Billy Napier and this uh, raising Cajuns team is one of those is one of those teams that could beat them. I just don't see it happening this year. I don't know if they have the talent. Uh, I really like Elijah Mitchell Mitchell uh, there, their running back, but I don't know if they have the talent to actually. Um, uh, pull it off against the Chandeliers this year. They're just too disciplined. They got Teron Jackson. By the way, Teron Jackson. Uh, the one, the good thing. There's not really anything good about COVID. But the one good thing that happened this year, that that hasn't happened in a long time, are guys that are maybe undersized or not at the big programs. They actually got a fair shake. And 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 I was a big proponent. of... Of Teron Jackson, you know, in 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 at the FWAA, uh, getting a fair shake for the Bronco Nagurski Award, which is the best defensive player in the nation, and he just made one of the finalists. I think it may have been the first time right. that Coastal Carolina ever had a finalist on the Bronco Nagurski Award. And I've been pulling for that guy. Uh, I think he's one for of the their best. program to have
0: a guy represented for such a prestigious
1: award. Absolutely, it, just the Sun Belt in, in and of itself, um, right. because normally you don't see that type of they never nobody ever looks at them you know never no, nobody ever watches those games so they don't so they're not on the voters minds basically but i've been stomping for teron jackson and uh he is one of the finalists of uh, the bronco nagurski awards and i think um that that goes a long way to say that you know uh him Xavier collins over at tulsa uh davian nixon at uh iowa uh, two other, Patrick Sertain, uh, the the cornerback over at Alabama, and there's one other guy that I'm forgetting right now. I think it's Jeremiah uh, Asua Koaman. I think the, over on North, uh, Notre Dame, the linebacker. I think that's the the last guy. But um, but I, I really I really have been stomping for Teron Jackson. He's one of the he, he, the, the the statistics alone is one thing. But if you see what kind of impact that he has on these games, he's the real deal. He's he's really one of these guys that gets passed over all the time, but probably makes a camp in the NFL. And then all of a sudden you see him on a team. You're like, who who is this guy? Who's this Tron Jackson guy? And now he's up for an award. That's going to bring him to shed a little bit of light on his talent. And I think that uh, there are big things involved for that gentleman.
0: Yeah, I really like uh some of those awards that happen at the end of the year, like the the Doak Walker and mm-hmm. the Maxwell, yeah, the Jim Thorpe Award, the big awards. Ritnikoff, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. Ritnikoff, Outland Trophy, all yeah. of those. What about my guy at Iowa State, Brees? Oh Hall? yeah, yeah. What do you think about Brees? Is he a, a a guy that you could see that wins the Doak Walker or possibly slip into the Heisman race?
1: That's somebody that I actually see. Uh, well, Heisman, probably not. Doak Walker, um, him, he, he's definitely in the conversation. I could see him uh, definitely in the conversation. That other kid uh, on Buffalo, he's definitely in the conversation. Um, uh, Jared Patterson, uh, he almost broke a, 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 a single-game record uh, for for rushing yards in the NCAA a couple yeah. a couple weeks ago, but th- 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 there's a lot of talent out there at running back this year. I think it's just going uh, under the radar because the whole focus of this year between two or three quarterbacks that are actually getting to play. Um, but uh, but
0: yeah, there's yeah, I, I I like both of those dudes too. One, uh, one guy, uh, Memphis. Uh, speaking of running backs. Everyone was kind of talking about before the season started was ATN uh, from Clemson. ATN, yeah, ATN, yeah, ATN. What has happened with him? Why has he kind of fallen off the map? Well, they haven't
1: been playing games. When you get COVID, I mean, it's kind of a uh, it's uh, that's the situation. I, he's still talented, uh, Travis ATN. He's still as talented as he was last year. But both him and Trevor, see, that's just it. Like I think uh-huh. they peaked maybe last year, possibly the year before. And so we haven't really seen anything, any, any new developments from their game uh, or any uh, advancement from where they were last year. Now, COVID could be a big reason for that. And, you know, they haven't had a, a consistent schedule this year. But ATN, I mean, he still is good. I mean, he's going to make some – he's going to make a, an offensive coordinator in the NFL happy. It's just that if you don't progress, if we don't see something new for year, from year over year – then that's not, that's not something votable. With Trask, the thing that we see real, uh, that, or uh, that I see that I can actually point out year over year when people ask me, what do you see with Trask? Oh, his pre-snap reads are complete. He actually knows how to, to read defenses pre-snap this year where he didn't last year. And it's a, hmm. there's a big difference between looking at what he was doing last year pre-snap and what he's doing this year pre-snap Kyle Trask knows what to do pre-snap this year and that's what that's why he has his success because last year you know it was he couldn't get through his progressions this year he's eliminating a progression based on what he looks out at at the defense what the defense is giving him I'm like oh that's he's he's much better this year pre-snap than he was last year and and I gotta give I gotta give Dan Mullen some credit on that you know he worked with the guy and 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 Dan Mullen, he's he keeps putting uh, quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, Dak Prescott is a, a Dan, Dan Mullen Prescott. product. So I, I just think that, uh yeah, I think Kyle Trask is probably for the Heisman. And um, the reason why we don't see ATN in that discussion is just because we don't really I, – I, I didn't see any development year over year for him, and I don't think any of the voters did either.
0: Now, Memphis, you work with the Football Writers Association of America. Now, which – Trophies? Do you vote upon? Do you vote upon all those trophies like we mentioned? The
1: Outland Trophy, uh, best interior lineman. Uh, we, I definitely vote on that. Uh, vote on the uh, Bronco Nagurski Award also. I'm a defensive guy, so I'm always watching defense. Those are the only two that I vote on. Now I know people that are uh, voting on the Belitnikov Award. I do know a couple of Heisman voters, and you know we we chat, we DM each other, and and have conversations. Some of them I have on my show or whatnot, uh, but and, and also the All-American uh, uh, Voting Awards. We we do a lot of that. Um, the Football Writers Association of America prior to the BCS, uh, along with the AP and, a, and, and two other uh, more defunct writers associations were the associations picking the national championships. So they have a long history along with the AP writers of picking national champions. And also technically the NCAA still re- uh, recognizes whomever we uh, put up as a national champion, uh, they can claim, you know, a national championship, kind of like what you saw uh, UCF do uh, a couple years back is claim a national championship based on the, the okay. Kali matrix award. So the end, in- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scott Frost uh, and, and whatever he's doing over at Nebraska now. But um, but yeah, they're 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 really prestigious. I'm honored to be uh, involved with those guys and uh, a lot of great heads. If if you don't see them over at the, uh, uh, you know, as an AP voter or uh, doing the AP votes, they're probably over at the FWAA. A lot of different outlets: um, ESPN, Fox, CBS. All of those guys are over there. So I have a lot of people to talk to and a lot of people to chat with. Uh, A lot of great guys over there uh that i
0: interact with uh, on the regular all right um so memphis you being in the south region yeah out here on the west coast we have the scucla this weekend do you feel there is a west coast bias i mean how does you feel that's represented that's been a big thing with a lot of us west coast guys
1: i was talking to and i had on tony saracusa last word on college football on my show today and we Talk all the time about what the Pac-12 is doing and what the Pac-12 isn't doing, and I think there's less of a West Coast bias. There's more of a Larry Scott pro- problem with the Pac-12. Um, really? it's 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 a oh yeah, it's it's a uh, well. First of all, there's absolutely no reason why the Pac-12 shouldn't be somewhere close to where the Big Twelve is because. If you can remember, if you can walk back, you know, to the '80s, the Pac-12 and the big, the, the 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 Big Ten were running things. You know, the other three conferences were beholden to whatever the the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were doing, and they used to walk and, and do things in concert. Uh, that's back when you had the the big Michigan USC games and 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 whatnot. That that was the those were the two dominant conferences back then. Now, fast forward to 2018. And I just did a show uh, last uh, I think this Monday where I was pointing out for all the boosters like there's there's really only two power conferences and that's the SEC and the Big Ten. They bring in about one point eight some odd uh, uh, billion dollars a year, whereas the the Pac-12, the ACC and the Big 12 are in that nine hundred million to a million range, meaning that two of those conferences bring in just about as much as the SEC or the Big Ten. The Pac-12 used to be one of those p- actual power conferences, but there's really only two power conferences now if you're actually looking at it financially, and that's the SEC and the the, the Big Ten. It's a, it's a really interesting dynamic where the Pac-12s fell completely off the map And Larry Scott has to take some ownership to it. I mean, he's he's one of the uh, he's one of the commissioners. He's actually getting paid more than any of the other power five commissioners, but they don't have their own, you know, uh, network with ESPN. I mean, uh, the Big Ten set theirs up with Fox. They were one of the first ones out with it. The ACC just got their set up last year. The SEC has been with ESPN quite a uh, quite a while, but and of course you got the Longhorn Network with the Big Twelve, but the Pac-12 Network, he can't find any games. Where the where are the games? Why why hasn't Larry Scott actually made uh, a deal uh, a, a, a a really good deal uh, with one of these networks? I mean, CBS needs needs some some content. Uh, uh, ESPN's still trying to be a giant. You know, there there should be some sort of network deal that he can pull off if he's a commissioner. To, to get some revenue pumped back into those West Coast teams, because what you see right now, it's expensive out there, man. Hey, I had a, I had a brother that went there and graduated from Stanford. I used to go out there all the time. Man, it's a, 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 a you know, 200,000 square foot uh, crib out there is like $1. $1.8, $1. $1.4 million. It's expensive to live out there, which means you need the revenue coming in. Uh, and when you start looking at the revenue, uh, as opposed to the cost of living and the cost of doing business, out in the, the west coast the pac-12 is just continuously falling behind year after year uh, in revenue and you can only blame the commissioner for that that's not something that the schools are are doing to themselves it's just that there aren't any games for us to watch out here on the east coast because larry scott doesn't have a really good broadcast contract and you can only you know you can only look at larry scott in the face and say like wait wait a minute what why, why aren't we watching these games? Why doesn't the East Coast have access to some of these games? Why isn't it scheduled so that, I mean, we know like in the Central and the, the Eastern time districts, that that's where most of your voters are. There shouldn't be a bias. We should be able to see those games when we want to. Um, and Larry Scott's just really never taken the direction of the Pac-12 uh, to, to, to co- accommodate the rest of the voters. I don't think there's a bias. I think there's a Larry Scott problem.
0: Larry Scott. I've heard that before in Memphis with Larry Scott this guys that I've talked to just with the scheduling is kind of handcuff a lot of the programs where they're not visible yeah. and it's become, it becomes a real problem playing games on Friday nights, you know, and playing these 730 night games. Uh, they're not getting their candidates for Heisman or got exposure for recruiting. It's hurting all aspects. A lot of the guys that I've talked to out here, it Larry Scott, I you know it it comes back straight oh. to him and he, it's I don't know how you could change that. I mean, unless the ADs and the presidents of the university speak out I on it. Know. I don't know. I don't I don't see how you could change that. I mean, that's the one position that's hard to to kind of get somebody out of office, you know. Yeah. It just it doesn't normally happen. Yeah, he's been around for since two, 2010
1: and I just don't know Right. I don't know he believes that he's going to be on with the Pac-12 uh, and get a, another extension. I'm not sure. Uh, I was picking the brains of some some of the West Coast guys out there, uh, including Tony uh, Saracusa today. And I'm not sure if all of those ads really want him. I think it's a lot closer than he thinks it is uh, in terms of getting a a renewal of his or extension of his contract. But the, the problem is the Pac-12 network, and you know there was a yeah. there was a there, there should have been a good contract uh, for for ESPN or Fox to basically take over the broadcasting of it, and there just be a revenue split. You know, you sell the rights let the let the broadcast companies do what they do, which is which set up the broadcasting and let them schedule the games and everything else you just let you know your your guys know when to be because the broadcasters know when these games need to be on what channels they need to be on for the voters to actually be able to see them so you know there's a lot of people that that say yeah there's there's some pac 12 games that that come on at 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 seven seven o'clock you know uh, uh pacific coast time out here that's that's you know that's 11 o'clock man people are headed to bed right so so uh you know the the, the scheduling and everything else of what what's going on in the pac 12 right now that we have to lay that at the feet of larry scott he's either got to change it uh or they're gonna have to replace him because i think that's most of the the issue with the pac 12 in terms of getting revenue and ingest injecting those programs with revenue and you really need it during covid so
0: no we do especially now i mean with the restart, you know, a lot of programs were complaining about yeah. starting early. That game at yeah. nine a.m., you know, things like that. So, I mean, I, I just have not heard good reviews yeah. with Larry Scott. I just say that it just is. Since he's taken over, it just hasn't been a good outcome. Brian, I always
1: try to, just I always try to give goes. credit where credit is due. But if there's blame that I have to lay at the feet of somebody, then I have to lay at the head, and that would be Larry Scott there at
0: the Pac-12. Yeah, take accountability for your actions. Now, Memphis, um one thing I, I want to get your opinion on before we let you go is the expansion of the BCS playoffs. Will we ever see that happen? I would love to see an expansion. It just it makes sense to me to add two to four more teams. I know they're trying to do more from what it was, but how long will it take for that to happen?
1: That's a very interesting question because I think there are two competing interests right now. There's the competing interest of whether or not the broadcasters want eight games, or whether or not you know the the actual players and the fans want want eight teams, not four games, eight teams. Because what would happen, or what what would have to happen, how it's set up now, you would have to try to incorporate that with the new year's six games. And pretty much kick out or, you know, change it from just two of the New Year's six games being semifinals uh, every year to four of them. Um, and then if you're going to do that, why not make all six of them playing games? You know, I mean, that's if you're going to just make all six of them, you know, playoff games or whatnot and and make the and, and integrate the entire thing. But I don't I don't know if there's that much of i don't think the broadcasters think that they're going to make any more money and and when it comes down to the actual dollars and cents of it i think they like the idea of keeping somebody out uh, they like the controversy because the controversy sells every here and if they make everybody happy eh, it's not the you either go big like the like what the ncaa does and they hey let's let in 64 teams you know let's or you, or you keep it out. You keep it to be a boys' club, and, and let everybody uh, let the madness ensue and 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 rise up. Because all of the power, I mean, if you have a power five and only four teams can get in, somebody's getting left out every year, over and over. Uh, right. You know, we've seen recently the team where the conference has been left out a lot. Uh, is either the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve here recently? the Big 12 with Oklahoma they they've gotten Oklahoma in uh, quite a few times but the the Pac-12 I mean they they don't they don't get in a, a a member every year they're not guaranteed to get in and I think it rubs people the wrong way but um
0: yeah it's it's I mean cuz as I said last year the year before when Herbert mm-hmm. was Oregon they opened up against Auburn and Jerry's yeah. World and they had the game in the first half and they let it go in the second half and That team, I thought, was really good. And they should have deserved, I thought, a shot in in the the BCS playoff. But uh, it's it's usually it's right where they have it. And then there's a couple of mid-majors that kind of make noise that might be deserving, but they never get outside that bubble. But I think it'll be better if they do add... A couple games to see those David Goliath matchups. Well, really see, really they really. have
1: other bowl games for that, and I don't think that they're interested in uh, in doing that. They're interested in trying to get the biggest turnout, uh, viewership turnout possible. And if they have like say one against eight, and that's Alabama versus um, I don't know uh, BYU, maybe. They'll get the turnout for that, but it's definitely not going to be the viewership of Alabama versus Ohio State. And so, you know, sometimes in their mind, less is more. You know, we can keep this to a to a really tight knit group of really elite teams and then keep everybody else out. Because if you've noticed over the this is going to be the seventh year of this this uh, college football playoff. It started in 2014. This will be the, the seventh year where we're doing this. It's not as if we have different teams every year. Alabama's pretty much been in this in, in in the uh uh in the grouping every year except for last year, really. LSU was representing the uh the SEC last year, and that was a first.
0: There was yeah. always it was always kind of a a laughing running joke that the SEC championship was the national championship. Right. Uh, playing game yeah. like basically like whoever yeah. it was that like, game automatically would go yeah. to the national championship, and that's when it was two teams. So, uh, you know, it, it's always been that way. And the SEC is well deserved. They have some the best footballers in the yeah. SEC. I mean, it, it, and yeah. that's just a fact. But uh, there's always good teams in in each conference that represent for that conference. I mean, it's just it's always played that way. But I um, I'm always in favor of expansion when it comes to the the conferences the playoffs i just think for especially for college kids that gives them more opportunity to have such a dream season and i think two games added wouldn't be that big of a deal compared to just letting everyone in. like you mentioned like the dance of the sweet 16 you know
1: but keep in mind kids. at the fcs level they do have a real playoff where you know and and that's i mean it right. can be done if we want to to, to do it, but I don't think that was the goal from the beginning. Let's just put it like that.
0: So, right now, the F the, they start up in yeah. January, correct? Okay. Now, our man Dion is over at Jackson State. How do you think he'll do it? He's
1: already there? pulling some fairly good recruits, man. Um, I, 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 right. I, I really would love to see a resurgence of HBCUs back to the Back to the, where they were and what they represented in in terms of college football. I mean, I always tell people this, and it blows their mind. But um, you know, Tennessee State University has the same amount of guys in the the you know the the Pro Football Hall of Fame as the University of Tennessee. That's two. They have two apiece, and it blows really? people's minds because they don't oh, people don't man. really understand how much you know HBCUs have contributed to uh, pro football and and why that even is because you know you would never think oh Tennessee State you know that's that that's not a really good football program yet they have two Hall of Famers and so does the University of Tennessee and that's it Uh, it may change if if and when Peyton Manning gets in because he's pretty much a a no-brainer but as we sit right now those are the the, you know those are Hall of Famers Memphis just finally got their first one in uh, a, a little while ago so there's um, there's a lot of HBCUs that that used to be dominant in football. Uh, that's why we have the Eddie Robinson Award to begin with. Um, one of the best coaches out there, and 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 he he really was a. If you ask Nick Saban who the best coach he's watched play or he's seen play, probably he will probably tell you uh, Eddie Robinson. So, um, HBCUs are really. Uh, they're it, they're underutilized right now for the talent that still goes through those programs. I think there needs to be that the, they don't have the facilities or the coaching at the level that it used to be, and it's almost like right. a lost game where it becomes more about the band than it does about the game. But I would love to see Dion be a, be the the spark that reignites the fire of the HBCUs and bring all of those all Man, all would of be that. Great. All of that. I know. I would love to see that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was I was really shocked. I thought Florida State might hire him. Uh, there was a lot of jokes oh, that he wanted the there's job. There's a running joke that, that, that
1: Norvell is kind of just a placeholder for him. So, yeah, there's really? there's a lot of Isn't people saying that. And Norvell came from Memphis. He was coaching us last year. Um, but there's a lot of people thinking that Norvell uh, – the boosters are kind of split. Um, they're like, well, you know, we want Norvell because he reminds us of of, of Bobby. But, you know, I, I I think that Norvell may be a three to four year placeholder uh, for Dion to see if Dion, you know, let's see what he, let's see how he can coach. He's coached at the high school level. You know, yeah. he's coached some intramural stuff, but now he's a college coach, you know, and and, and now let's see how he coaches yeah. at this level before we can bring him on to a program like 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 fsu so yeah, let's let's see. see what happens there that yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if five years from now ryan we're talking about you know deon sanders as the head coach of fsu let's just put it like that
0: i wouldn't be either that would be great to see see him come back and uh, lead them back to prominence they've been down yeah. a little bit but memphis man I, you've been great man i i really enjoyed your insight and uh just uh blessing the airwave with your with your um intellect man, hey man thank you Ryan, so much i for appreciate coming you on.
1: reaching out to me and and, and getting hold of me man i i don't do this for everybody so i uh you know
0: <laughs> i would love to have you on again man uh we got the, the absolutely on, is absolutely the
1: man